Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And Grant, we got an email the other day from a fellow named Greg Ferry from here in Carlsbad, California. And Greg thinks there ought to be a word for talking while driving. I agree with him. He says that a certain friend of his, quote, drives long distances. And during these long times, he pulls out his cell phone and calls people with whom he hasn't spoken in some time. Or failing that, someone who will listen to him. Now, Greg's friend's name is Harold, so he wants to propose the verb to herald, meaning to call someone using a mobile phone to chat in a very social way while traveling from one place to another. And I don't know, Grant, I agree that there should be a word for this. It happens all the time here in Southern California. But I don't know, heralding? I mean, that guy just cut me off in traffic, and look at that. He was heralding. Well, you know, they do that in New York, too. They they do drive, and they pull them over because talking on the cell phone while you're driving here in the city is illegal. Well, it should be. It Actually, should throughout be. the state. But my question is, is, if you're heralding, are we talking about being in the passenger seat or driving or both? Uh, I think we're talking about driving. I think this guy yeah. has lots of time to fill. You know, he gets bored on the commute, and uh, he hasn't managed to podcast our show. and so. Well, I can appreciate that. There's a version of it we have here in New York City. You know, I take the Q train to the studio, mm-hmm. and the Q train goes over the Manhattan Bridge, which crosses the East River. And so there's this few-minute span during which the train is above ground, actually above the water, looking across Manhattan, and it's a beautiful view. But what everyone does is they yank their cell phones out of their purse or their pockets, and they check their messages and make quick phone calls. And they'll, like, <laughs> like the whole car all together decides that the, the cell towers are probably jammed every time the train comes through. Addicts, all of them. They're like those people who get off the airplane, and they've got the, the unlit yeah. cigarette hanging on their lip, just waiting till they get to the smoking place, right? That's they can't right. wait to light that That's sucker. That's right. So what's the word for that? Um, Addicts. That's all I can think of. <laughs> I don't know. Do you like heralding? I don't really, actually. But, you know, I I always say that most new words, they need more time to grow on you. Maybe this one would after a while. Well, we (laughs) we do need a word for it, don't you think? All right. Well, let's put the word out for the word for it. All right. And so you can call us. Pull over first, please, just to make Martha happy, with your (laughs) suggestion for a term that denotes talking on the phone while driving. The number is 1-877-WAYWARD. That's one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, Martha and Grant. Yes. Hello. This is Rick calling from Alaska. From where? Alaska, Wisconsin. Oh, Alaska. Alaska. How do you spell that? It's like Alaska with on in front of it. Huh. O n on. O n on. O n on. Well, I got to tell you, I've never heard of the place. Where is it? Tell me about it. What's it's the near seat? La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. Ah. What's on your mind today, Rick? Actually, I'm calling about the origins of a word that I've known for probably 30 years or so. Date, dates back to growing up over on the other side of Wisconsin in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. The term is padiddle. How are you spelling that? I'm not sure. Uh, P-A or P-I, but padiddle, D-I-D-D-L-E, something like that. Uh-huh. Now, what's it mean? Well, it was used when 
one or more people, typically more than one, would be driving in a vehicle going down the road, and the oncoming vehicle, be it a truck, car, whatever, would have one headlight burned out. And mm-hmm. what would follow would be the person, the first person to see it, would yell "padiddle" and then kind of whack the inside of the roof of the car with their hand. Hmm. And it was sort of like first one to see it, you know, one. Right, 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 right. And yeah, a lot of people know about this. The padiddle. Yeah, they I mean, do. It's just sort of generally accepted. A rite of passage. You got to be about sixteen in Wisconsin. You got your driver's license. You saw a car with one headlight, and you said "padiddle." Yep. <laughs> and then you smack the roof of your smack car roof. in triumph. Yeah, and then after, and Triumph, exactly, and then somewhere along the line, I think once we got closer to the age of uh, proper drinking age, uh, it involved then the person who didn't respond first owed the other person or people a beer. Oh, wow. And did you buy a lot of beers, or? Um, I was a pretty good padiddle spotter. <laughs> so, padiddle, padiddle. padiddle. I, I, I've heard of this, and you know Why? Why? When I was editing the Historical Dictionary of American Slang, I was working on Volume 3, which includes the letter P, and I worked on the entry for this. You it's did? Be, I did. Grant, you're my hero. Hello, yes. I, yeah, you well, did the padiddle entry? I'm, I'm hardly worth it. It hasn't been published yet. Well, wait till you see my work to judge whether or not oh it's worthy gosh, of I praise. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. The earliest that we were able to trace this to was in the, the 1950s. But what's more interesting about this is that the game that you're playing actually is a modified version of an older game. And the older game was about kissing. Oh, So you're what? driving down the road. Yeah, you're driving down the road with your sweetie, right? Yeah. And if, if you see a car with one headlight, you, you're the, the man or the boy, and you say, padiddle, then you get to kiss the girl. If the girl sees it first and says padiddle, she gets to smack you. <laughs> so that, that? that's... That's how it started out, and and I can think of any number other, any number of other car games that are that are roughly similar, like Slugbug. Everyone Slug knows, bug, right? Exactly. Yep. Right. Slugbug. Wait, I, I've never played any of these. You guys. I mean, we You're just in dropped... car, you live in car culture now, Martha Shirley, right? Well, no, we don't. I've never heard of it in California, and I certainly didn't hear it growing up in Kentucky. Slugbug. No. Oh, what when, is you, slug bug? when you see a VW, you get to hit exactly. the guy next to you. You just slug him on the shoulder and say, "Slug bug." The go- <laughs> it's just like Padiddle. The Golders get there first. You know, if you know Rick mentioned being sixteen, this, <laughs> even if he plays as an adult, it's still pretty much a sixteen-year-old mindset. It's all about hitting somebody and having a reason to. And everyone kind of just I think it's all don't they, Rick? They just kind of like mindset. abide by the rules. They don't begrudge you the fact that you beat them to the punch. Literally, really, it's like giving noogies or something, only on wheels. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. So, so it sounds like it grew up with car culture. I mean, you you didn't drive your horse and buggy and do <laughs> no. it back then. And you know, that's actually a really good point. I think it's significant that the term really doesn't start to show up until the 1950s because that was after the war is when we could reasonably expect most American families to have an automobile and for that automobile to be allowed to be driven by you know 16 year old boys who like to hit each other. <laughs> And have nothing better to do, go drive around for a while when gas is Sure. Flipping. Well, you right. know, and think about the kissing game. You know, go out and pick up their sweetie and go down to lover's lane, right? Someone that I work with that I had a conversation with talked about a variation of padiddle where it was you're supposed to be taking articles of clothing off. <laughs> I don't know Strip anything about padiddle? that one. <laughs> Strip padiddle, exactly. Strip padiddle. <laughs> I've never... No, in Wisconsin, in, you know, in December, that may not have been that much fun. But... <laughs> no, it might be about putting clothes on. <laughs> Wow. Get home and you're wearing 15 sweaters and you're like, I don't know what the light business, you know, I'm going into the light business. A lot of people need headlights in this town. 
All well, right. Well, you. I hope we helped you some, Rick. Very enlightening, did you say, Rick? Yeah, yeah, I know. I couldn't resist it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. All right. Thanks for the call, Rick. Glad to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Padiddle. Padiddle. You know, now you're going to do it, right? Now I'm going to do it. I, Even when you're on your own, you're going to get home with a bruised thigh because you'll be hitting yourself every time right. you see a car with the light out. No, I'm right? going to be playing strip padiddle by myself on the freeway. Well, you know, in those parts of the country where it's common to keep your headlights on during the day, uh-huh. I, the padiddle is probably a much more thorough and ongoing affair. It's a constant thing no matter when you're out, right? Well, I guess so. But is is there a game for if your taillight is, is out? Is that the piddle? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of that. If it exists, I don't, I don't know about it. Well, if it exists, somebody knows about it. So call us at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, uh, this is Evan from Falmouth, Maine. Hello, Evan. What's going on in Maine? Uh, not a whole lot right now. I'm just home for uh, for break and uh, enjoying it very much. And you said you're home home temporarily. Where are you otherwise? Um, I go to school at the University of Guelph in Guelph, Ontario. Ah, okay. What are you calling us about? Well, my question is about uh, the woman who is your mother or your father's sister. Hmm. Now, the way I pronounce it is very, very different from the way that my friends in, in, uh, in Canada pronounce it. Ah. I pronounce it how I think it should be pronounced is aunt. Now, my friends up at school, they seem to mistake their relative for an insect on the ground, and they pronounce it ant. <laughs> now. And, uh, and so I was just wondering, is one of us more right than the other? Is it uh, simply a, a geographical thing, or, you know, what's the deal? And so do you stop them in conversation and, and talk about insects? I do sometimes. I, I, I do. I said, are you, are you related to ants? I didn't realize that. I, you know, I always called her my aunt. And, and they, of course, said, oh, you're just being pretentious. And I, and I argue that, well, what other words beginning with A-U do you pronounce with just an A? Hmm. And they couldn't well, think of it. Well, logic to English, though, once. that's always a trap, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? In your part of the country, in Maine, in New England, and and also in Eastern Virginia, you would you would generally say aunt. Mm-hmm. Throughout most of the rest of the United States, though, you hear aunt. Really? Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. In in standard English, there is a there is um, in African American vernacular English, you hear aunt a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, but in what we call standard English. Um, the the general pronunciation in this country is ant. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, why? Because now you've got to take it back? <laughs> All these things that you've said? Oh, no, no. I, I will never go back on what I've said. <laughs> I, uh, I stick very, very firmly to the, uh, to the ideology that it's aunt and not ant. You know, I, I do have to tell you, Evan, though, that I have one of my mother's sisters is named Anne, and I do call her Aunt Anne. Mm-hmm. But everybody else I call Aunt Margaret and Aunt Mary oh. Garnet. <laughs> well, it may be. I've, I've seen Grant. It suggested that maybe Noah Webster had something to do with that. Just sort of. What? Promoting the ant pronunciation? No, promoting the aunt. The aunt you pronunciation. You know, Rava and ask what you would do. For... <laughs> it's a messy, tangled thing that I don't want to get into too far. But we do have a history, somewhat, in American English of 
sometimes being more learned from our books than from our experience. And sometimes when we're learned from our books, we tend to take what looks like the obvious pronunciation but isn't the one that's widely used. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those pronunciations get, become dominant. But I would say overall here, the thing is, Evan, this is a matter of dialect. Mm -hmm, and absolutely. if you start throwing around the word wrong to apply to somebody else's dialect, you soon get <laughs> to a trap because you're going to find out sooner or later that you have a few dialect features that make you a minority. And actually, you found one here. Oh, that is true. That is true. So, but, you know, you could just blame them as Canadians and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I might not share this information with my friends back up in Canada, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> well, I just think maybe the insect talk probably best be kept quiet from here on out. And yeah, I, uh, I won't bring that up again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hope everything works out well for Excellent. you there. Well, thank you very much. All right. All Take bye -bye. care. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've got a, a squabble that you'd like us to settle, we'll be happy to come down on both sides of it. Give us a call at one eight seven seven nine two nine word Send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Coming up, we'll take more of your calls. But first, a word puzzle. Stick around. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. And we're joined once again by that crazy man, the quiz guy, Greg Pliska. <laughs> crazy man. Oh, what's up, dude? I'm foaming at the mouth with excitement. <laughs> he has today. dealy boppers on, or is it that Steve Martin arrow going right through his head, right? <laughs> no, those are headphones. Where's your banjo? <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that you always call me puzzle guy. You haven't called me puzzle guy in a while. You're very puzzling. Which, which spoonerizes into... And you have a quizzical look on your face. Well, the reason I brought up puzzle guy is because if you spoonerize it, it comes up to something that you need to do in order oh. to win the dessert eating contest. Oh, Spoonerism, somebody who's born with a silver spoon in their mouth says exactly. those. Exactly. Right. To to guzzle pie. Guzzle pie. Guzzle, guy, oh, guzzle pie. There we go. You know where the term spoonerism comes from, do um, Archibald. Um, a country in the yes. middle of uh, <laughs> Atlantis. I don't know. No, William Archibald Spooner, who was an Oxford University right. don in the late, late 19th, early 20th centuries. But uh, but as I understand it, most of the spoonerisms that are attributed to him weren't actually weren't his. Actually his. They're but only still a lot couple of fun, though, right? Actually oh, it's yeah. kind of yeah. like, I want to believe that Mark Twain said all those things, even though I know he didn't. It, and it doesn't matter. Because they're great. Matter. Yeah, they're fun. He's reputed to have said once, let us raise our glasses to the queer old dean. Right. <laughs> Meaning, of course, the dear, dear old, old queen. queen. Yes. Right. A moon movie. Coming, so I coming guess to a quiz today, today is about... Is about spoonerism. Dear old queens. Exactly. <laughs> now, that's you guys. No, it's about, uh, it's about spoonerisms, <laughs> which is, just to be clear, the shifting of the initial consonant sounds on a pair of words. Right. So I'll give you definitions for both the original phrase and the spoonerized phrase, and you have to guess the phrases. Right. So you give us two definitions and we give you two phrases. You got it. Okay. And uh, it all comes out even in the end. For example, common undergraduate college degree and online auction site. Ah. Hmm. BA and eBay. You uh -huh. got it. Move the initial consonant from B-A over to the other syllable to get eBay. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. A place where they fix car dents and a second-rate jazz style. 
see auto shop shadow op no nope. place about, where um, they, yeah place where they fix car dents how about body Fender, shop and body shop shoddy bop there you go. Bop. Second rate jazz is shoddy bop. All right. Yes, and body shop. Okay. Um, all right. Ronald Reagan's favorite candy and what you hope your overweight dad didn't pass down to you. <laughs> His belly jeans. His <laughs> jelly beans. Right. Exactly. Reagan loved those jelly beans and you don't want the belly jeans. Oh. All right. Here's one. I actually love discovering this one. Vladimir Putin, for example. Or Otto von Bismarck, or one of his neighbors. Vladimir Putin, mm-hmm. for at least for many years, and Otto von Bismarck, or one of his neighbors. Chancellor and Anselcher? I know. <laughs> <laughs> is it a um, title? Is it something yeah, like Putin, Tsar, Putin's, Premier? Putin's title oh. is, or, or was. The... Prime Minister. Or the other one. Premier. The other one. President. President, <laughs> <laughs> President of Russia. Resident of Russia and resident, oh, of, resident Prussia. of Prussia. Yeah. There we go. Resident. Okay. Right. Sorry, I muffed that one completely. And That's just, all right. And I just heard a show about that this morning. Putin's a complicated thing there. You know, a man who fishes with his shirt off. <laughs> is, That's all I want to say. Did you see that picture of Putin with his I shirt off? That's like the beginning of a like a collo- great colloquialism. A man who fishes with his <laughs> shirt off, Fill in catches the blank. bass in his pants. <laughs> I mean, he needs to be in charge of. Intelligence gathering, and there he is yeah. now laying it all out for the world to see. Which is like fishing with your shirt off. <laughs> intelligence gathering. It's you know, he's got this weird thing. floppy hat on that probably hasn't been washed since they bought it forty years ago. Right. <laughs> and he's fishing. Here you go. Strongly flavored cinnamon candy, and dandruff, for example. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, something you eat and something you don't eat. <laughs> yeah. Gross. A strongly flavored cinnamon candy. Greg. Also, a, also another term for uh, frankfurter. Red hot uh, and, and head rot. Head rot. For example, here you go. What a very naughty child will get into, and a pocket of air filled with cosines and tangents. Not a pocket of air filled with cosines and tangents. Yeah, clearly that's the fanciful one. Wow. <laughs> okay. What's a pocket of air? A, a um, a wind shear. What what is a what are you going to get into if bubble. you're if you're very naughty? Oh, trouble oh, something bubble, you're going to get in. Double? So it's troubles in the first one and bubbles in the second one. Yep. So yeah, I like the way you're working this out. Trouble. Yeah, bop, trouble. What's with a B? What goes with trouble that has a B? Grant Barrett, you get in here or you're going to be in... Oh, big trouble. And? Trig bubble. There you oh, go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We have our horrible joke for the day. Stuck here in a trig bubble. Oh, it could be a place wow. where you're safe from trigonometry. He's been talking funny. to my mother again, Martha. He knows. <laughs> he knows. He gets in. I said more corners. Okay, here we go. One of America's two favorite radio wordsmiths and the attic where the goose is kept. So John Chiardi and... (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Nunberg. Yeah, so that... Nefri Junberg. Uh. There we are. (laughs) Uh, The what? One of America's two favorite radio wordsmiths and the attic where the goose is kept. Grant Barrett and... Brant, Brant Garrett? 
The Brant Garrett. What the hell's a Brant? A Brant is a kind of goose. Who's kind of a Brant? It's a kind of a goose. Look it up. (laughs) (laughs) I will. It's it's funny. I know how to do that. Right there, right before (laughs) Couch Rocket. It's just in the section right before. Well, is that it? That's all I got. You know, these always end too quickly for me. I'm serious. Even though I get like one out of ten, they're they're great fun. And it's well, good. I do have like two pages worth that we haven't done. Oh, well, you can save those for a couple months from now exactly. when we've completely we've forgotten. forgotten. You can just re-give the same us, ones. Yeah. Give us the same one, Martha, and I'll be like, oh, these are new. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is great fun, Greg. I want to thank you for taking all this time. Um, this is fantastic. It's my pleasure. I always like plumbing to K with you two bird watch. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, links a thought. <laughs> We're welcome. <laughs> And if you'd like to ask us a question about language, what are you waiting for? Give us a call. The number's 1-877-929-9673. Or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Julie calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. Julie, what are you calling us about today? Well, I am calling about a word called dookity. My, um, I had used it about a year ago in a office area. To reference someone who I, whose name I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. And I got really, really strange looks from people in the office. And they Googled it and they said, this is obviously a made-up word. I'm originally from southwestern Indiana. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and I went back and queried my family because this is something my mom has always said. Uh-huh. And they've all told me that it's the word she made up. Oh, really? And what is the word again? Doofity. How would you spell that? Um, I would say D-O-O-F-I-T-T-Y. Doofity. And you would say this when you don't remember somebody's name then? Correct. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Doofity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to alarm you or anything. You're looking for, for a rescue here, aren't you? Yeah, I I thought maybe it was just a regional colloquialism because that region is there's a lot of coal, it's an old coal mining area mm-hmm. and they have a very distinctive accent around oh. there. They put Earl in their car and that sort of thing. Mm, right. Earl, yeah, and flush the toilet. Do they flush the oh, toilet? Oh yeah, you put the R in it because it gets it cleaner. You put the R in the toilet to make it cleaner. No, you put the R in wash. Oh. To make it cleaner. <laughs> I never heard that. I never heard that. And they say doofity. Grant, I've never heard that either. I've heard doohickey and dealy bobber and thingamabob and whatchamacallit. I, I, I wrote an article about these kinds of terms once. I remember a bunch of them. Yeah, whatchamacallit, doodad. The Brits say doodah. There's doowanger, doojigger, doohickey. Um, and those are just the D ones. There's also the T-U-H ones, thingamabob and thingummy and thingum and thingy. And I know a few French ones, too. Boy, I never come across that one before, Julie. I don't know what to tell you. I bet she did make it up. And you know what? I'll tell you this. All words were made up at some point, and it's just fine. Yeah, so you guys are ahead of the game. Well, that's good. We'll try to spread it around and see if we can get it to catch on. Here's the trick. When you use a word like that that you're pretty sure that nobody else is going to know, just get a really superior look on your face. Kind of stick your nose up in the air and just you make them wonder. And if they ask questions, just give them a scornful look. Sounds good. Well, Julie, I'm I'm hoping that maybe some of our listeners will let us know if they've ever heard that word. Right. Well, that would be great. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the question is still open. Then you've you've still got a chance to prove it to your friends because maybe we'll hear from somebody who also says the word doofity. And is it blood related to me? And are they- <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Is it related to your family? <laughs> no, she said exactly. somebody who's not blood related. Oh, to somebody her. who's not blood related. To you. Right. All right. Well, thanks a lot for calling. Well, thank you so much. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, call Doofity and me <laughs> at 1-877-929-9673. Or you can try us on the discussion forum at waywardradio.org. And you can always send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, this is John calling from Sonoma, California. Hiya, John. What's going on in Sonoma? Well, I actually was curious about something I called at one time Bismarck. When I was growing up in Illinois, we would go to the uh, bakery, and I would get Bismarck's, which other people call jelly donuts. Mm-hmm. And I seem to be the only one that remembers, or I, up until recently, I was the only one that ever called them that. And I saw an old rerun of Father Knows Best, a television show from the 50s or 60s. Sure. And Bud said, can I have another Bismarck? And I said, my goodness, I am not alone. <laughs> you so jumped out of I your chair. I would make a point of saying, oh, Bismarck's, or I would go in to get donuts, and I'd say I'd have half a dozen Bismarck's, and they'd say what? And I'd say, well, give me some jelly donuts instead. And the then I thing? Googled it. Uh-huh. I got over 1,000, maybe 1,500 hits. You know, there are people that still call them that, I guess. Sure. And I suppose the obvious reason is they were named after either North Dakota or Count Bismarck or whatever. And I guess my question is, is that true? Were they named after him? Why am I the only one that seems to remember them as Bismarcks? And uh, is that enough of a question? That's a great question. Okay. So is it exactly the same thing as a jelly donut? It is a jelly donut. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, and as you far said... as I can tell, but when I was a little kid and we would, and I lived, you know, in very, I've lived in various places in the country, but I always remember that Bismarck seems like something special. Ah, yes. Mm. You know? And whenever that. we would go back to visit, I had to go to that bakery. You know, I it remember. might have been that they used a certain kind of filling and maybe they cooked them a little differently. I don't know. Mm. Did it have powdered sugar on the top or? Oh, my heavens, no. It had to be glazed. Okay. Uh, very okay. particular about your Bismarcks right. then, huh? And a certain kind of jelly? Well, I don't know. You know, when you get jelly donuts today, you can get anything in them. Right. Right, right, right. Custard or raspberry or strawberry. Yeah. yeah they'll, they'll put pickle relish in there if you want. <laughs> yeah, they don't make jelly donuts like they used to. Okay. You grew up in Illinois. Where in Illinois? Well, here's the thing. It was Streeter, Illinois. And one of the things that I, I guess another thing that was in the back of my mind was, that in Father Knows Best, they lived in a town called Springfield. Ah, oh, just like the Simpsons. So I wondered if the, you know, if, they, if the writer was from Illinois or something, and they called him Bismarck's when he was a kid or something. Hmm. Yes, that could well be. And, you know, the story I've heard, John, is that it comes from the Hotel Bismarck in Chicago, which was built by German immigrants. So what, it was a specialty of the house restaurant? Yes, yeah, or the, they had a bakery there, actually. 
And it doesn't surprise me because a lot of times uh, foods get named and get associated with a particular hotel or a particular restaurant. I know when I was growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, we had a hot brown. And do you know what that had in it, John? Have you ever had a hot brown? I don't think so. Not by that name. Well, it's from the Brown Hotel in Louisville, and it was, get this, it was an open-faced turkey sandwich with bacon and cheese sauce. Mm. <laughs> pass mm. the Lipitor. <laughs> oh, yeah, pass the Lipitor. Holy moly. Well, of course, everyone thinks of Waldorf salad as well, which supposedly was named after the hotel. Right. Uh, was yeah. it? Yeah, um, I think it was, as far as I know. That's the story, anyway. And the story that I heard about Bismarck Donuts is that they were that they originated there, or at least they were popularized by Germans in that area. Uh-huh. Uh, the Hotel Bismarck probably being named for the Chancellor Bismarck, the German Chancellor. Well, John, I think that your connection to Illinois is strong, because I think that is actually where the term originated. That's where it's still most used, and I'm not surprised that you don't find it elsewhere. I that, that's the best we can tell you, but I think that's pretty good information. It, well, I'm happy. Okay. Right. Bon appetit. Bon, yeah, bon appetit. Okay. Au revoir. Take care of, you, take care of yourself <laughs> Au there. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, Grant, I neglected to mention that a Bismarck is also a drink. Did oh, really? Did you know that? Yes. What's in that? It's a mixture of champagne and stout. Hmm. Sounds pretty yummy, huh? I'm not sure about that. Uh, it's also called a black velvet. If you've got a question about food or you want to send us a, a care package, <laughs> give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Send us an email to words at waywardradio.org or talk about your food fantasies on our discussion <laughs> forum, also at waywardradio.org. <laughs> In an earlier episode, we had a call about the expression bread and butter, which people sometimes say when they're walking together and an obstruction in their path makes each of them step around it on opposite sides. And boy, do we get a lot of email about that, Grant. Michael from Ontario, Canada, wrote to say his own parents used to do this all the time, but with any two things that went together, like bread and butter, pepper and salt, or ham and eggs. Zev from Peaks Island, Maine, says the version he heard goes like this. When you're walking down the sidewalk with someone and you separate yourself from said person by walking between a lamppost and the street, you're supposed to stop, go back around the correct way, and say bread and butter. Zev goes on to point out that there's an example of this version in a 1956 Popeye the Sailor cartoon. If you'd like to watch this brief cartoon featuring the bread and butter superstition... Go to our website. That's waywardradio.org. Grant, I love that little cartoon. I was watching it the other day. I was a big Popeye fan growing up. Were you? I, I have one trait. I say muscles. I mean muscles sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and you had the hots for olive oil, I'll bet. Uh, la, 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 la. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very good. Finally, this from Judy. She's a librarian at the University of Michigan. And Judy writes... I just listened to your podcast with a question about bread and butter when I started to watch a very old Twilight Zone episode on the Sci-Fi Channel. It starred William Shatner in his pre-Star Trek self as a man making his way across the wilds of Ohio with his new bride, played by Patricia Breslin. As they walk down the small town street, they come to a light post. She begins to go on the opposite side of the light post, but he pulls her toward him, saying, Bread and butter. Then in response to her, yes, dear, he says, just trying to save your life. Judy adds, 
pretty dang hunky, Shatner. <laughs> Isn't that a weird coincidence? There should be a word for that, Grant, where you're hearing a word and then you see it again. I oh, there there's a bunch of those. I guess there are. We'll put them on the website. And if you want to share your observations about language, do 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 do. Pick up the phone and give us a call at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Or you can send your crazy synchronicity to us by email <laughs> to words at waywardradio.org. Stay tuned for a game of slang this, in which we try to figure out the meaning of strange language and more of your calls on Away with Words. Support for Away With Words comes from WordSmart, the vocabulary-building software. Improving your vocabulary, reading comprehension, and critical thinking skills will increase your chances for success. Learn more online at wordsmart.tv. And from iUniverse, supported self-publishing. Is there a book in you? Find out how to publish it at 1-800-AUTHORS or learn more online at iUniverse.com. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And it's time for Slang This, our puzzle about slang. Today's contestant is Sarah Ferrara from San Diego. Sarah come on down. Oh, great. Hello. How are you? <laughs> doing Hello. great. How are you doing, Sarah I'm doing great. Are you psyched? I'm psyched. I'm ready. Okay. Well, Sarah Lynn, as you know, to get past door number one in this challenge, you have to share your favorite slang expression with us. So, Sarah Lynn, what would that be? When I use quite often, it's in a nutshell. In a nutshell. That's, yeah, that's yeah. it. And why do you like that? It just sums things up for me. People know when I'm done with my thoughts. I like that. You know, I did some research on that phrase a while back, and I think it might come from the idea of trying to scribble something very small in a nutshell, like the Iliad or something. I don't know yeah. why that's, that's... Right. That used to be a, a passion of people, right? You get publicity because you wrote the Lord's Prayer on the head of a pin or on a pearl something or like something, that. and then yeah. you would write whole long things in microscopic type inside a nutshell. I don't know what you would do with it after that. Yeah. Yeah, I I think there's a connection there. Well, anyway, we'll have to look that one up and refresh our memories. Well, Sarah Lynn, we're going to go on to your next challenge. Grant's going to present you a slang term, and then he's going to give you three possible examples of how it might be used in a sentence. But only one of those is real, and your job will be to choose the real slang term. And it, if you need help, Sarah Lynn, I'll be here offering moral support, okay? Just moral support. Just moral. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> no checks. <laughs> All right, here we go. The right. first expression today, Sarah Lynn, is wigs on the green. That's four words, W-I-G-S-O-N-T-H-E-G-R-E-E-N, wigs on the green. And the first clue is, I, McConnelly, I'll have to be getting home now. It'll be wigs on the green with me, missus. Her mom's come for a stay, and I'm expected home before supper. <laughs> I know, that's horrible, and, and I apologize to the <laughs> British people for that. <laughs> I said British because it's hard to tell whether or not that was actually Scots or Irish. <laughs> Those yeah, people over I, there. I thought it was Irish at first, but British will do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the second clue. Once derided as the wigs on the green circuit, the Senior PGA Championship Tour is now one of the most successful in the country. And the third clue. Nah, nobody calls them dead presidents or Benjamins anymore. These days, if you're really hip, you call greenbacks wigs on the green. So is it A, a fight or a difference of opinion? Is it B, the PGA Seniors Golf Tour? Or is it C, paper money? Whoa, Sarah Lynn, what do you think? Uh, let's go. 
Let's do A. You think it's a, a fight or difference of opinion. Are you Googling the answer? Am I what? No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I now, wouldn't do that. Although that's a good idea. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> now, why I got would... a big red switch here. I can turn off the whole internet. I'll do that. <laughs> now, Sarah Lynn, why would you guess that? Why would you guess wigs on the green is uh, a fight? You know, I, I just, I, it was a process of elimination. I don't think it had anything to do with the PGA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, think, it was just a guess. I you mean, don't I, think they wear wigs in the PGA? I mean, they have those sort of ugly pants. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. Um, but I, I think A was that accent, that British accent, right? That was the, because I worked so hard at being so awful. Yeah, I, I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to, you know. I wouldn't have exposed my. I wouldn't have been so embarrassing, right? Exposed my bad acting skills if I it wasn't correct. You had correct. to do that for a reason. You wouldn't. Just, I mean, that must be the answer because why else would you have done that? Oh, very well. You're 100 percent correct, Sarah, and it is indeed the answer. Right. Wigs on the green. <laughs> to, to have wigs on the green means to have a fight or difference of opinion. Think about the old days when gentlemen wore powdered wigs, and if they got into a fight, they would be all askew, right? And they'd be on the green, which means, you know, in the, the common area of town or on the grass or what have you. Wow. All right, here's one more for you. This term is fake-a-bake, and I've written it as F-A-K-E hyphen A hyphen B-A-K-E, fake-a-bake. And the first clue is... Ah, nobody's going to know that you went the fake-bake route with dinner. Just sprinkle a little flour on your shirt and make some good coffee. They'll think you baked the Madelines yourself. <laughs> and the second clue. The ads for the fake-bake creams make it seem like your tan will be natural. But when you come out looking like a bag of carrots, who's not going to notice? And the third clue. What do you mean, fake-a-bake? Dude, he said it was weed. I asked for a dime bag, and he gave me this. How's I supposed to know that it was oregano? So, there are your three clues. Is it A, passing off desserts from a bakery as something you baked yourself? Is it B, sunless tanning using chemicals or lotions? Or is it C, legal cooking herbs sold as marijuana? Not that you would know about number three. No, I, that's, that's just that's way beyond me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I think I could be wrong when I use this slang, but I would say it's B, a fake tan. Because I've used that before, but maybe, you know, I've said it's a, it's a fake a bake. Indeed it is. Absolutely correct. It is B, right. sunless tanning using chemicals or lotions, sometimes just called fake bake or baking fake or something like that. A lot of different variants on that. But, but it, it makes sense because you're exposing your – you're not actually under the sun, so you're it's a fake way of baking yourself. I don't know, whatever. Yes, it's B. Good. That's all. Nicely Great. done, Sarah Lynn. You got two for two, for two and um, you're the slang hero of the day. So that's it? There's no more? <laughs> no, that's it. Do you want some more? I'll make some up on the spot. Wow. What did I win? <laughs> <laughs> you won a well, year. That was fun. I enjoyed a, a free, that. A free phone call. That's great. And, and, and one was a guess, a kind of a guess. Yeah, you did. You did wonderfully. And um, for playing our game, we're going to send you a year's supply of fake abate creams. Great! I want a dark, dark tan, please. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll I like a Latin tan, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Thank you all. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I tell you what. Really, we're going to send you a copy of Grant's book. It's called The Oxford Dictionary of American Political Slang. Ooh! Wow. That. 
I would enjoy. Yes, Erlen, that's perfect for an election year, huh? Exactly. That's just what I was thinking. All right. Well, thanks for playing. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And if you'd like to play our slang game on the air, call us. The number's 1-877-929-9673. Or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Yes, hello. It's Dorothy Hughes on Mount Helix. Hi, Dorothy. How are you doing today? Pretty good, thank you. What's on your mind today, Dorothy? I'm a retired professor, and... I, I jokingly say the reason I got a Ph.D. was because I was so annoyed in the 1960s with people saying Ms. instead of Mrs. But in those days, you still didn't have your name. You had, you know, it was Mrs. Joe Jones or whoever you were. Right. And, uh-huh. uh, you went to college to get your MRS degree, right? You, no, I went to college to get my doctorate. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I meant, I meant women in general used to say that. You well, know. yeah, but anyhow. Right. So you wanted to be a doctor, Dr. Yeah. Dorothy. Yeah, but the thing is that I retired in 1992 and became a professor emeritus. Mm-hmm. And editors, I do a lot of writing and, and get quoted on things, and they they call me emerita or emeriti. And it's it goes back to that same old Ms. thing, you know. I say, oh, no, it's emeritus. That's the fifth declension in Latin. But I, I don't even know if there is a fifth declension in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, there is. There is. Bravo for bluffing, because I bet you win the day every time. <laughs> oh, yeah, they just had to say, oh, okay. Right, they can't argue with you. You have a Ph.D., right? <laughs> it, it really bugs me to say, to feminize this, because it shouldn't be. So what do you think? Hmm, the Latin... Is kind of irrelevant here. I mean, it, there, there isn't a. Um, if you, if you look at emeritus and emerita in Latin, you'll you'll see that they are two different forms. But your question is here in in the the twenty uh, first century, should we actually be d- differentiating right. between a professor who has made a contribution to a university over years and years and years? Um, should we differentiate between the male and the female there? Right. Right. And I would have to agree with you. Really? I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. I, really? I, I don't have a really strong opinion on this, but I do know that Professor Emerita can be an actual correct way to refer to somebody in Dorothy's position. Oh, sure, sure. And that word came into English 200 years or so after uh, Emeritus. You know, it was around the beginning of the 1900s when they suddenly started having, I suppose, women infiltrating academia like that. Well, I, I think I'm going to side with you both and say that even though Professor Emerita exists, actress also exists, but I think actor is perfectly fine to apply to a man or a woman, and I think Professor Emeritus is also perfectly fine to apply to a man or woman. Thank you. So I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. So do you That's get... highly unusual. We're the, we're the bells. There should be a symphony playing, right? <laughs> Martha and I in agreement. <laughs> Well, Dorothy, I hope you get some perks being in, in emeritus. Oh, well, on campus I get free parking. Ah! <laughs> well, and that's, free use, that's free use gold. Of the water fountain. Oh, yeah, in California that's gold, right? <laughs> that is gold in California. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen uh, students wearing T-shirts that say, tell my professor I'm looking for a parking place. <laughs> hey, Thank thanks you for calling. Thank you so much. All right, All right bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We may have um, a lot of professors call up and disagree with us on this point, but we're ready to hear it. So give yeah. us a call at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. 
or drop by the discussion forum to discuss this show at waywardradio.org. And you can always send us email. We read everything to words at waywardradio.org. A few weeks ago on our show, we were discussing the word biffy, remember, meaning a kind of toilet or outhouse or mm-hmm. porta potty. Well, that prompted quite a few emails, including this one from Larry Christie of Oceanside, California. Larry writes, I was born at a midwife's home while a raging January blizzard was in full force at Pier, South Dakota. <laughs> Thank you, Grant, the capital of the state. On his family's farm, they used biffy to mean, quote, an outdoor or indoor toilet, whether it was a two-holer or a flushable pot. A catalog was our toilet tissue. One did not dally in the middle of a raging blizzard and below zero temperatures. Often, stripes of snow had to be brushed away from the seat that came through the cracks between the boards of the wall. Several other listeners wrote with suggested etymologies for the word biffy. Some of you suggested that biffy is an acronym that stands for bathroom in the forest for you. Um, (laughs) No, almost certainly not. No. Others pointed out that there's a brand of porta potty marked with BFI in big white letters, standing for Brown Ferris Industries, which is a waste management company, although I think that they have their hands in a lot of other businesses as well. Thanks for that. However, The problem with BFI is that I haven't found proof that that company was in the portable toilet business before 1942. 1942 is when we first find Biffy used in print. Also, the term Biffy seems more common in the upper Midwest, and BFI does business everywhere, and I think they're based in Texas. If you've got information that shows that BFI was in the portable toilet business before 1942, let me know. Well, if you think of a question or comment about what you hear on Away With Words, you can always write to us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. You can also leave comments in our episode section of our online forum or call us anytime at one 929 9673 Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Marianne from Wrightstown, Wisconsin. What's going on in Wrightstown? Well, I have a question for you about Duck, Duck, Goose, the game that you play when you're a little kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us how you play that. Well, you sit in a circle with a bunch of kids, and one person is it, and they go around, and they hit people on the head as they go around, and they say, duck, 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 and then when they get to someone that they pick, they say, goose, and that person, they run around the outside of the circle, and the person has to get to where that other person was sitting before they get them. Right. Hours of fun. Hours, yes, very much But so. that's for when you're very young, just kindergarten or even preschool, kindergarten, right? Kindergarten, first grade, right. Right. Yep. And I have a niece and a nephew who live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and they're in preschool. And they came home from preschool and said they played duck, duck, gray duck. And my brother and I and my brother's wife, we've never heard of duck, duck, gray duck. We always played duck, duck, goose. So we're wondering why in that part of Minnesota they say duck, duck, gray duck. Okay. Is that how you and your husband met, playing duck, duck, goose? (laughs) No. (laughs) I haven't played duck, duck, goose in a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Gray duck. I've never heard that one. In this case, Minnesota, though, is, uh, let's call it, it has a, a Texas characteristic about it. In this particular case, 
And by that, I mean Texas is so often the exception to various rules and things, or at least it thinks it is. In this case, Minnesota is the exception because as far as I know, this is the only place in the country where they play duck, duck, gray duck. And it's fairly well known. The Dictionary of American Regional English has uh, an entry where they comment on it. The, it's, the dictionary's editors have talked about it in news articles. It comes up now and again when the Minnesotans are doing what I call chamber of commerce pieces in the newspapers. And these are where they talk kind of with pride about the things that make them Minnesotans, the words that they use or behaviors <laughs> that they have or, or their particular perverse pride in the fact that they know how to navigate eight feet of snow without a shovel, you know. And they play duck, duck, gray duck. And they play duck, duck, gray duck. <laughs> and do they say why they play duck, duck, gray duck or when that started or it's just that's what they do? I do know that it goes back to at least the 1940s, so it's nothing recent. So there are generations of Minnesotan kids that grew up playing Duck, Duck, Gray Duck and don't think twice about it until they run into Duck, Duck, Goose people and go, what? Uh, you guys are doing it wrong. Because <laughs> and that's how I felt when I heard it. I'm like, what? Duck, Duck, Gray Duck? Who plays they that? Do. <laughs> yeah, the Minnesotans, they actually have this weird thing where they kind of look outward at their other 49 states and go, oh, no, you all, you guys are doing it wrong. We're doing it right. <laughs> but they are the only, and, and it's not even the entire state. I, I'm not sure exactly where it's centered. It might be more to the the south of the state, so I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, um, yeah, and they, they're in St. Paul. You know, if I were playing this in St. Paul, I think I'd go inside and warm up with Grey Goose. <laughs> Just a thought. Yeah, they're a little chilly there. <laughs> well, Marianne, thanks for warm, an interesting question. I warm bet we people, though, but Thank you for answering it for me. <laughs> All right. All right, take care of yourself. Stay yes, warm. Yes, you too. All right, bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. 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 I was going to say they're warm people. She meant that they have cold weather, <laughs> right? They do. Grant, it's so much fun exploring all these children's games. You know, one of my favorite ones that I came across only in the dictionary was one called Honeypot. Do you know mm, that one? I don't one? know that one, no. If you look it up in the OED, it says a children's game. One of the players called the Honeypot sits with his hands locked under his hams while the quote-unquote honey <laughs> merchants lift him by the armpits as handles, pretend to carry him to market, and shake him with the aim of making him let go his hold. Also called... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean... <laughs> You, you want to get rid of TV and Game Boys? That's what we're going to be stuck with, Honeypot. <laughs> We'd love to hear about your childhood games, old rhymes, and stuff that you have to remember from when you were very, very young. Give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine 929 word or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Well, that's our show for this week, but you can always call us with your questions about language. The number's 1-877-929-9673 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. Tim Felton is our technical director and editor. We've had production assistance from Robert Fung and Dana Polakowski. Away With Words is produced at Studio West in San Diego. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett, inviting you to join us next time right here on Away With Words. Either, neither, neither, let's call the whole thing off You like potato, and I like potato You like tomato, and I like tomato Potato, potato, tomato, tomato Let's call the whole thing off But oh, if we call the whole thing off Then we must part And oh, if we ever part Then that might break my heart 
So if you like pajamas and I like pajamas, I'll wear pajamas and give up pajamas. For we know we need each other, so we better call the calling off off. Let's call the whole thing off. You say laughter and I say lofter. You say after and I say off.